Welcome to Despirituality. We are literally celebrating because we have a series that we love and we hope you will love, A Holiday of Faith. During the holidays, we know this from news reports, we know this from the news cycle as we watch it every day on our favorite cable news network or local news network, or maybe you're lucky enough to still have a local newspaper where you live. There are enough things coming out in the news that can leave us discouraged, to leave us feeling uh, sorrowful, mournful, hurt over, for instance, shootings that take place, uh, drug overdoses and losses of life that take place, um, loneliness that we may feel during the holiday season, a sense of isolation, maybe some stirred up memories and regrets that bring us into a mood. And so one of the things we're hoping we can do is with this series on the holiday of faith, which will have several podcast um, articles that you can find on our website is to be able to give you great, great encouragement as you go through not only the holidays, but as you move into 2020. Today, we have uh, our producer stepping into the mic. He's going to bless us with his words of wisdom. Uh, and he brought along his wife, Christy, Nathan and Christy Schaffenoffer with us. And uh, we were able to persuade Marilee to come back. Uh, and uh, and so she brought Stone with her. We didn't want him. <laughs> but, uh, we just wanted Marilee. She, she, we just wanted Marilee because that's where the wisdom was. There you but go. she oh, felt boy. that she wanted to at least she wanted to at least let the wind beneath her wings come with her. So <laughs> there you uh, go. That, 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 that was the key. We're going to be talking today, or they're going to be talking today, about seven examples of trusting God in difficult times to inspire you. Difficulty is part of life. Yep. In the book of Job, it talks about man is born in trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. One of the women in the Bible, one of the coolest, most understated, yet essential women in the Bible was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Luke Chapter one, I'm using the New International Version, 1984. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, really, we ought to think about verse 28 for a long time. First of all, we learn that not only are angels around in the Old Testament, angels are around in the New Testament, and the scriptures would lead us to believe out of Hebrews that angels are around today. So the angel went to her. So God takes initiative. We learn that as well. God takes initiative, says, hey, I'm selecting you for something. And it says, the angel's encouraging, it says, you're highly favored. So God selects people sometimes for big tasks, which we call difficult times. See, the inspirational part of difficult times is what we see as humanly difficult times are actually big opportunities from God. Opportunities for God to use us. Now, here's how God measures success. Did more people gain faith or did more people lose faith? We measure success on, at least I do, did I get what I want? Did it work out the way I planned? But God measures success by, did more people get faith? So the next time we go through difficult times, we need to understand the inspiring part is God is doing some things that maybe, just maybe, we don't even realize are better for us and everybody. We call it difficulty. God might call it opportunity. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So Mary responded like a lot of us do. She got a little anxious, a little nervous, and troubled by the fact that God was going, you're highly favored. When God starts liking you, the Bible teaches us that a lot of people start getting worried. Mm-hmm. Yep. God starts calling people. They start getting, you know, they start getting concerned. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's an important thing to realize. You may be going through something right now. This Christmas, they are like, why in the world did this have to come up now? I've been through that. We've been in the hospital, test results that were threatening and nerve wracking. Yep. Why is it these things happen? Well, a lot of times it's because you're highly favored. God believes that your heart is more willing to be used than maybe someone else's. God believes that you're perfectly placed. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Let's not go all negative now. 
Let's not go all doomsday now. You're highly favored with God. That's a good thing. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. Now, Mary was smarter than the average man anyway. And I'm sure Mary went, wait a second, wait a second. Most women, I think, or no, I shouldn't say most, but there are a number of women who'd be happy if they were about to have a kid, right? Mm-hmm. The problem was she wasn't married. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, that sounds pretty good. That's like your son is going to be a Ph.D. in physics. He's going to be a, a surgeon. He's going to discover the cure to a various diseases, and he's going to play in the NBA. That's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And she goes, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. So Mary didn't look at all that the boy was going to be. She didn't sit there and go, oh, he's going to be all these incredible things. He's going to change the world. She's like, wait, 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 wait. You're, you're going to put me in a position to have a child and I'm not married? How's this all going to happen? For a lot of reasons, biological, but also sociologically. Yeah. So you're like, about to bring a whole heap of trouble down yeah, on me. Yeah, you're about to bring what? <laughs> the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh, wow. He said, look, God's going to come in here. He's going to do something never been done before. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. So we learn here that when Mary was asking the question, unlike me, she was focused, or at least the angel answered her question, focused on the biological. But I got to believe, based on what we know, that she had to be a little bit concerned about the sociological. Oh, yeah. Even if she wasn't, I would be. Yep. But what does she say? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. What do you do when you trust God in difficult times? You embrace them. Mm, Yeah. Mary embraced it. She said, all right, I'm the Lord's servant. How about that? Mm. Getting inspired because you understand that human difficulty oftentimes is God's opportunity. We've got seven examples of trusting God in difficult times to inspire all of us and inspire me. I want some inspiration. And so we're going to let these guys get started. Tell us what they've learned. Tell us what they've been studying. Tell us what they've been thinking about. Have you ever thought about difficult times before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I think of I think when my daughter left God, left for 10 years. Makes sense. That was a that was. And so. Part of that is what inspired me about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So you've been thinking about difficult times and how you deal with it for a lot of years. Correct. Great. I'm looking forward to the insights. Well, I think that what I what I Zechariah and Elizabeth are a, sort of heroes in the faith to me because they were people that sort of lived in a time where, first of all, they were they were grown old and they didn't have any kids, and they lived in a time where the culture uh, was that God love, God's love for you is shown by how many kids you have. And there they were, older couple, and never had any kids. And the thing that always inspired me about them was it was said about them that they were always righteous and that they were righteous in the sight of God and they were blameless. And I thought, man, when, when you go a long time wanting something and you don't get it, it's easy to get embittered and easy to get self-piteous, easy to quit. But when somebody like Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have what I call a longing unfulfilled for years and years, continue to stay righteous. Now, little did they know, God had planned on blessing them all along. When my daughter fell away, man, I went through a myriad of emotions from... Some of our listeners might not mean what you mean by fell away. You mean left God? Left God. Walked away, didn't want to be a Christian anymore. Uh, it, 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 it challenged me in so many ways. One, you know, I felt sorry for myself. I had a lot of unhealthy responses, unspiritual responses, self-pity being one of them. I had a lot of things to learn that we had developed a home where there was lack of openness. Uh, we had double, double standards. We had become religious. We weren't inspiring. Um, you, you know, now we some had, people listen to you. They're going to think, oh, so you think it was your fault? Well, I think we had things to learn. 
uh, during that time. But I think she made a decision on her own. But 10 years... So what do you believe about that? Do you believe that what we do at home uh, determines whether our kids believe? Do you believe they have their own choice? Do you believe in that we can't control it? Do you believe it's a mixture of the two? Uh, I have think you thought much about it? Because it sounds like what you're describing is a difficult time a lot of people go through. Yeah. A ton of people go through. Yeah. And you seem pretty optimistic and faith-oriented on it. So I'm just wondering what you would say to somebody who was like, yeah, man, I can totally relate. My kid never came to faith, or my kid came to faith and then left the faith. Um, And it's caused a lot of those emotions to rise how could they, maybe you and Mary Lee can share scriptures on that. You, I mean, I know you're talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth, um, but maybe you can help people just with that question, because I think you're bringing up a, a huge question um, that, that crosses my, it's crossed my mind, crosses every parent's mind uh, who believes constantly. Yeah, well, one of the things that just comes to my mind is, uh, I agree, I, first of all, I agree with everything. I mean, I think it's a combination of things uh, that Marilyn and I had to learn to do differently because we had two more kids coming up behind her. Uh-huh. And so we needed to learn from the experience. We needed to understand what happened. Yeah. And uh, we learned some things that we had to grow and change in. At the same time, I think Jana had to go on a journey. Yeah. And that was a spiritual journey for her. Yeah. And, um, but I think the thing that was, uh, the, the thing that we, uh, all parents have to constantly believe is you're never out of the fight. Yes. And that, you know, as long as your kid's breathing and you're willing to help and work and influence and change and 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 grow yourself, you're never out of the fight. And I think that what what parents are at risk of doing is quitting or giving up or or getting negative. So the parallel would be that uh, Zechariah, when he was told about uh, John the Baptist being born as their son, that's who it would eventually be. He didn't believe it or something like that. I didn't study it. You did, so you can probably correct me on this. But he didn't quit the fight. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't bag it. He didn't quit. He didn't walk away. He didn't run away. God said, you're not going to get to speak because you didn't believe this until the baby's born. But then when he had a chance to confirm the name that God wanted the baby to have, he confirmed it. And in that moment, his, his tongue was loosed as the, I think, King James Version says. So what's important in this is that even when you make a mistake, even when you have a failure, even when things don't work out, Mm -hmm. you have to stay in the fight. He could have just abandoned and said, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I've got to suffer over this. I I, I was just asking a question about how this is going to get done. And now God's done this to me. And, you know, now I've got all these problems. I'm too old to take care of this kid. Instead, he stayed he stayed in that fight, and obviously Elizabeth did too. Well, the great thing about Zechariah, he was actually he never quit serving God. Interesting. And so he was in the position in in you know the inner room yeah. when the angel appeared to him. Yeah. So what if he had quit and wasn't serving anymore? Right. Walked out. He walked out. So I'm done. Didn't want to serve. Didn't want to be a priest anymore. Yeah. You take my voice away. I'm yeah. taking my service away. And I think that there was probably enough. I mean, unfortunately, I do think that Zechariah had some doubt. Yeah, I think that the, as parents going through stuff like that, that's probably one of the biggest things I remember. Yeah. We had to fight for faith because we doubted our very existence, it yeah. seems like. Like, yeah. you know. Um, How does a, I mean, explain that, doubting your very existence. I think, like, help, help us understand what that means. Uh, well, everything, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to say that I stopped trusting and believing in God, but I was like everything I've ever believed in. I think I had this idealism that you do X, Y, and Z, yes. and it's going to turn out this way. If and, I follow the rules, uh-huh. mm-hmm. then I get the outcome. Right. right. And so you're, you know, your foundation feels a little, you know, kicked out from underneath you because. Because you, it, ultimately what you're doing is you're finding out that God doesn't work the way you thought he worked. Would that be correct? correct? Exactly. So I thought if it was, if I gave two and I added two, I'd get four and it turned out to be one. Right. So how in the world can God be real? I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. No, absolutely. How can God be real? How can God be fair? Yeah. If two plus two now all of a sudden equals one, but everybody else's two plus two is four. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people out there that, that go through, I mean, we all have, you know, I have, I have a unique family with two special needs kids. We all sit there and say, wait a minute, I did the same equation. I did my right. very mm-hmm. best. Right. How did I get this outcome that's different? Even if you're not mad about it, you just go, 
what I don't understand, you know? Right. And, and so I want you to keep talking about that though, Marilee, the, that you doubting your existence and then. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, you start questioning how, you know, the way you did things. Because I think even, you know, teens have a way of challenging you that, you know, it's your fault, not, yes. you know, and, and your parenting and, yes. you know, and, and I think we came to a point where we had to go, no, we do have to learn here. We do have to open our eyes to what we could have done different. We were very behavioralists and the do's and don'ts. And, you know, we had to learn about the heart and drawing her them out or kids out and there was a lot to learn well, but it was with just, our own heart too yes and dealing like with our own hearts and trying to get in touch and to work on our relationship with each other but kind of going back to the basics it's like what do i believe in god and what does the bible say Good. versus all my emotions right now because you get really caught up in disillusionment or Fear, fear's huge. You know, how's uh, it? What's yeah. what's the outcome? What's gonna? How's this gonna turn out? And the uncertainty of life. Like yeah. you can't just know that. Okay, you know, you go home and everybody's happy. It's just there's just it really it's very challenging in that way. So it sounds like you guys attacked that difficulty by saying we've got to keep growing and we've got to keep learning. That's the way to keep our faith up is to not quit but keep learning and keep growing. Right. If you stay in the fight. You're never out of the fight. Right. That's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, you, you'll need to explain that to me. So fighting for what? Well, I think you're fighting for your faith. You're fighting for the faith of your kids. You're uh -huh. fighting to stay, to give your kids a, a, uh, uh, a place to come home to. Um, I think that eventually, you know, as Janet did, uh, she had a, a change of heart. Yeah. And she needed to, con she didn't know where the road home was. Yeah. And I think that if we strayed off, uh, when God moved in her heart and, and, and she wanted to return, yeah. where would she go? Interesting. And I think as parents, we got to constantly remind our kids by our own example that, hey, uh, this is real. God is real. We believe this. This is. Yeah, we had to look at our own convictions. Like, what do we believe about God versus, okay, this situation isn't turning out the way we would have thought or wanted, you know, at least what we're seeing in front of us. But, you know, you have to kind of. You have to just you have to start really, I guess, soul searching, kind of looking well, looking deeper in, in what you, what you believe and where you stand, I guess. Yeah. And, and what I think about Zechariah and Elizabeth <clears throat> is that they they longed for for something, and mm -hmm. they had to, they had to long for it for a long time. And I think that I think when me for me when I have to long for something, you know, for very long at all, I could start getting self piteous and want to quit. What inspired me about them is that, that in, in, even in the culture that they were in, the challenges that they faced by being you know, uh, childless for so long, they never quit, and they, they never quit serving. And I, I do think that Zechariah was challenged by his, in his faith. I think he had some doubts, uh, and, and I think that's—so I have a different take on why uh, Zechariah was not allowed to speak or he couldn't speak when he came out. I think for Zechariah, when you get— when you go for a long time, you can you can start to drift toward being humanistic. I think it would have been easy for Zechariah to come out of of the inner room and 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 go. Did I really see that? Did I really have a conversation? Did God really promise me something? Mm -hmm. And then start having doubts, like, well, maybe I just dreamt it. Maybe I just imagined it. But when you come out and you can't talk, yeah. you go, no, that was real. Wow, uh, that was a confrontation, wow. and God God was planning on blessing him. So I don't think he was being necessarily punitive. Yeah. I think he needed him to come out of that room, going, "No, I just saw God. Yeah, this is real." And you better take care of this boy. You better take care of this boy. <laughs> he's exactly. essential to my because he he's more essential to my plan than you are. Exactly. You know, one of the things as parents we often have to think about, and I want to get Nathan and Christy in on this, is we have to think about the fact that maybe God is trying to do something with our kid. We are. All, we can sometimes be so focused on our faith exactly. and what we're doing, we forget. Oh yeah, maybe it's that little. It's that little kid right there. You know, as you're, uh, I, I made a note as you were talking, and I thought what you and Marilee are trying to say to parents of children, whether they're young, teen, middle school, elementary school, or adult children, is that it's important spiritually to take the position that it's not necessarily my fault but it is my responsibility. Mm, yeah. I think too many people fall for the accusation, Revelations 12, Satan is the accuser, yes. fall for the accusation that it's your fault. I know a lot of people, including myself, that grew up in homes that weren't trying to 
inspire us to become Christians. Right. And yet I became one. Right. So the reality is that I know people who have gone through horrid experiences growing up in communities that were dangerous and violent, but they became Christians where a single mom was doing everything and couldn't, couldn't do all that the kid needed, but the kid matured, grew up, took responsibility for their life. And so not having a second parent did not alter their destiny. I think it's important right. that parents out there who right. are super discouraged over the holidays that want their kids to be Christians, their kids have not made that choice at this time, to realize you cannot spend your life in the space of it's my fault, but you can activate and go on offense in your life and say it is my responsibility. It's my responsibility to win them over, to inspire them by my example, but it's I don't need to dwell on fault. And I think right. a lot of people get stuck on fault. Right. And and I think if you get stuck on fault, your kid may get, I'm listening to you two guys and I'm going, if you guys have gotten stuck in on fault, then your kid may have gotten stuck on fault. Mm, great said, point. Yeah, you're right. It is your fault that I'm this way. Or right. It is your fault that my, my life's hard. But when you become an anchor at home, taking responsibility and create a home that really, and I know you guys, that really becomes an anchor for your kids, then they get a chance to be able to always know where home is. Of course, it's important that kids eventually learn that they need to create their own home. Get out of my home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go pay your own bills. Yeah, you check start that paying rent. <laughs> yeah, start paying rent. You've we're, been in here so long, you you pay rent. We were lucky enough to check that box. Everybody's out. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't say everybody's not paying. <laughs> I didn't hear the check. No, no, now you no. got, so there's three stages. Everybody out, everybody, everybody out, paying their own way, everybody's and then everybody paying you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that plan. Mm. Three-step plan. Yep. Yeah. Out, pay for it, pay us. <laughs> pay us Pay back. up. Pay up. I like that plan. Seriously, though, over the holidays, uh, don't let yourself get discouraged. I think Stan Mary Lee are speaking powerfully here. Pardon the interruption. I want to tell you about a new thing we got going on over at deepspirituality.net, an entirely new series on redefining, rebuilding, and transforming your faith. A Holiday of Faith is about becoming one of those rare believers whose faith fuels their belief that God can do anything. Change us, change our family, change our friends, change our community, and yes, change the world. Head over to deepspirituality.net to read the article and check out all the complimentary content. All right, back to the show. I want to get in Nathan and Christy who are at a different stage of life uh, and, uh, and, and, and want to talk, I think, about trusting God to triumph over doubt and circumstances. Yeah, I was thinking uh, to kind of tie in and kind of continue on what you guys were talking about. Uh, we're on the other end of the spectrum of like no kids for right, us, right? right and being right. trying, being trying to have kids. And one of the things that really s- impacted me as I was doing this study, talking about trusting God, um, was specifically thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and kind of their example of faith and like trusting God. Um, and I knew this story because I grew up going to church like my whole life, so I knew the story of like. You know, guys, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no, we're not going to bow down to your idol. And then you get thrown in the fire, and, you know, God saves them. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> they I live. haven't, and you just spoiled it for me. It's ruined. Oh, man. <laughs> but the thing, when I was going back over it, some a scripture stood, or, or a specific verse stood out to me that hadn't before. I never even noticed it before. Okay. This is Daniel 3. Uh, verse, I think it's verse 18 specifically. Um, so they're in confrontation with King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're in confrontation. They're like, no, we're not going to do this. They, 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 you know, very boldly proclaim that, you know, God's going to protect us. God's going to save us. Okay. But then the part that I never noticed before in verse 18, it says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the God, the gold statue you have set up. And I was like, oh my gosh, these guys' lives are like on the line. They're threatened, but they're like, they totally have faith that God's going to trust them or that God's going to save them. But then they're also like, oh, if it doesn't happen, like it's fine. Like they're, or maybe not, it's fine, but that they're, they're okay with whatever outcome happens in their right. life, mm-hmm. you know? And with Christian, I, it's been a couple of years of, of, you know, trying to have a kid and, and, and things not working out and still like in this, like, 
uncertainty phase. We don't, you know, at least scientifically, right? Don't know what's going on with us, right. you know, and while we're having a difficulty. And I was in that specific verse in verse 18 stood out to me is because they're like, even if God doesn't come through for us in the way that we want, you yeah. know, of like, which is literally like life and death, don't want to burn alive. Right. You know, like it's going to be okay. We're still going to stand up for, for our relationship with God. Right. And it, it, it challenged me to just like trust God, whatever happens for Christy and I, and our future and the family we're trying to grow, uh, um, you know, whatever the outcome, however God wants to bless us in that way, like it's going to be good because that's what so, God so wanted. So why do you think, and maybe Christy wants to jump in here with you too, you can, why do you think they were okay with either outcome? Because they're not the exact same outcome. One outcome is you live in la vida loca, right? <laughs> you live in the life. And then the other outcome is you're burned to death. Yeah. Why would any sane person, be okay with that? Does faith make you insane? Like, why would they be okay with that? Have you thought about that? Is anybody? Well, I mean, I think of, um, I kind of think about the scripture, and I think it's in James how like rejoice in your suffering. And I always like could never understand that scripture. Yeah. Um, but I think that you know that actual example is really good. Like um, where they're just completely. But you, but still, my qu- I don't mean to be difficult. Yeah. But my question is why. I believe I agree with you that James one consider it pure joy and you suffer trials of many kinds. I've looked at that scripture a lot. That's talking about your attitude and how you ought to approach it. And it says because endurance you must let in the NRSV you must let endurance finish its work and then you will be complete, lacking nothing. So what is it that they saw? Because I, I, I I'm thinking about this as you're talking. I'll just tell you what I'm thinking about as you're talking. I'm going, well, their motive was the issue. Mm-hmm. So. The motive of life is what determines whether you'll accept both outcomes. Their motive is God is God, and I think God needs to be seen as the sovereign God. Uh, You see this in Daniel chapter 4 when Nebuchadnezzar won't listen, and in the end of the day, God humbles him, and he says, I now see that your God is the God. And then again, when Daniel's put in prison with the lions— the saint, another king says, I now basically see that God is God. So if you take those two examples and look at the breadth and depth of Daniel, I would assume, not assume, I would conclude that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thought the ultimate goal here is for God to be known and God yeah. to be sovereign, not for us to live or die, burn or not burn. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what gives them confidence is, hey, if we need to burn in order for God to be known, good. Well, if good. we don't, Good, mm-hmm. because ultimately this life is very temporary, but long term, the world is changed by knowing God, not by knowing us three guys and our story or whatever we go through. So I'm wondering as we're talking about outcomes, whether it's then we, we kind of gotten into a family thing here, which is really cool, whether it's having kids, raising kids, not having kids, being delayed and having kids, whatever it may be to have a spirit, a positive spirit about it. You have to say, look. God's not, as Stone alluded to earlier, he's not being punitive on us. He's not out taking things away from us and trying to keep us from having things. He's out trying to get people to have an opportunity to know God. And I know when I prayed, my son, John, born Down syndrome, was flown by helicopter to D.C. Children's for surgery immediately right after he was born. And so all the time he was in the surgery, it was multiple hour long surgery. I was praying that God would use him. And when I look at life and I look at some of the things we've been involved in and creating esports and him being involved in a film about verbally challenged kids and the software tools they can use to be able to speak, uh, 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 you know, a film that, 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 that a documentary that really did well. Um, when I look at all that, as I look at it and I see it, I go, oh, God was trying to do something for the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when God is trying to help the world, he's going to pick, as I alluded to with Mary, people that he wants to use and give that opportunity. And so I think maybe what we should, instead of feeling deprived, lost, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, punished, which are natural human feelings, we should start thinking, wait a minute, what is God trying to do? And I've got a hunch, and maybe a greater biblical scholar will tell me I'm wrong about this, but I probably will still by faith believe this. I've got a hunch they were calm for the same reason Peter and... um, and in uh, John and in and, and common prison is that they're sitting there and they're saying, wait a minute, my motive is that people know God. Yeah. And if what I'm going through is going to help people know God better, I'm at peace with it. I may not like it. Yeah. It may yeah. not feel yeah. good, but I'm at peace with it. And then going back to what Stone and Mary Lee were talking about, it seems in my life anyway, that as soon as I'm at peace with something, God can do for me what he right. wanted to do. 
mm-hmm. yeah. what I wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I think I, I think that's big. I think what you talked about with the motives uh, it made me think of like even like funny conversations Christian and I had about like you know, oh you know we'd we'd love to have a kid who's like a D one athlete or whatever. You, you start like fantasizing <laughs> yeah. and, and like hoping you could you know create yeah. somebody who could like right. I don't know. Yeah. get a scholarship or like get you get, some free tickets yeah. <laughs> that's what you're after yeah just free tickets you know um but it's it's that motive of like are you know are we doing this for ourselves yeah. like it's just yeah. you know this is conversations we've had like are, do we want a kid for ourselves so we can feel good about ourselves yeah you know or so we can um you know whatever uh f- feel great about like oh we're that kid's parent you know whatever yeah. and even we haven't, haven't even started you know um that that part of our life yet but it's like you still can like fantasize and think about the future and just be still very self-centered yeah. You know, yeah and making it about you yeah i was I, to that point i think for me like having a kid means filling a void you know or like maybe i'll be more respected if i was a mom or my my advice would you know have more weight to it because i'm a mom um so i, I think, think Marilee will tell you that that doesn't happen <laughs> people will disrespect you whether you have a lot of kids or not they'll find so a way I'm realizing they'll that. find a way <laughs> because they say you can't even handle those three kids what are you doing it, it's always something it's always yeah, something, it's, it's always something <laughs> right Right. They definitely yeah. don't fill the void. You know? <laughs> I'm seeing that. They create, that. Uh, well, they create know, something. I mean, just, just, you know, just as a, a word on that, I think it's a hard, hard, hard thing that probably isn't discussed enough about not being able to have kids. It's, it's a hard thing. And I think there are a lot of people yeah. who suffer in silence because how do you bring that subject up? Yeah. Right? You got these people, you know, hustling over here to get their Christmas photo and doing their stuff with yep. their kids. And I imagine that during the holidays it's extremely painful because every time I pull up Facebook, somebody's got a picture of them with their grandkids. Yeah, I was their... just saying that like yesterday or two days ago. I was like, man, Facebook sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's happy. Everybody's got a kid on there, whatever. Yes. Um, so I remember saying those exact words. Uh, I think to something you were saying earlier and the thing that I kind of noticed, uh, I guess that you, I was kind of connecting the, the dots about like uh, uh, um, about basically God being glorified through the difficult times, yeah. you know, because that was something that came up when I was reading about Moses um, and his was uh, trusting God when there, when there feels like there's no way out. And specifically on the the part um, in Exodus where the Israelites are trapped between the Red Sea and, and, uh, and Pharaoh and the Egyptian army, you know, right. and like God's whole motive of like leading them there is so that he could be glorified. And, and even looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth, Isaiah, like all these things, and the other ones that we kind of added to our list, but then like, you know, took away whatever as we, as we li- whittled it down, all, a lot of them were connected to like God specifically wanted, wanted to be glorified through, uh, through the difficult time, through the challenge so that he would be the one who provides like a way out or solution. You know, it's interesting to me that in you guys' work and study, because, you know, you're completing it and it'll be posted along with Stone and Marilee's study on, um, or I guess you guys are working on this together. Yeah, correct. It's a combo. Uh, be posted on, um, on our site. It's interesting, I don't know if you looked at Rachel and Leah, because that to me is an mm. extraordinary story about the difficulty of having kids. Then Hannah, of course, and Peninnah, and how much Peninnah uh, tortured Hannah. And I think socially, uh, we're insensitive to a lot of things. I am. We're insensitive to mental health. We're insensitive yeah. to special needs. We're insensitive to the inability to have children, uh, infertility, uh, and it's difficult to bring subjects up that people don't want to talk about. A lot of us don't want to talk about mental health because we're afraid that maybe when we get older, we'll have some problems. So we don't want to hear about it. Sure. Yeah. We don't want to see special needs kids or adults because we're afraid. Well, what if I ended up having one? What would I do? You know, we don't want to talk about infertility because we don't want to go through the suffering and pain and consternation that somebody may be going through. But one thing I would add, and Ecclesiastes is a good book for you to read. And the reason it's a good book to read is it talks about the emptiness of life, but that's not why it's a good book to read. It's a good book to read because it says God has given us these things that we might enjoy ourselves. You know, one of the reasons kids are good is because they're fun. And I think that's one thing you want to keep in mind. I Mm. think one thing everybody wants to keep in mind, it's good to have kids. I've always liked kids. I liked kids when I was in high school and coached them. I think kids are fun. Like, you know, it's work. I'm not going to fool you about that. It's work. But but they're fun. They 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 teach you things, and so I think part of the reason that you you maybe be too humble to talk about it. Part of the reason that you want to have kids is it's the experience, and that's why studying out Hannah and studying out uh, Rachel and Leah and the desperation with which they pursued it. Studying out Psalm one twenty seven, and how he says that the your quiver will be full of them. Um, that's because if you had a lot of kids, you could take care of your farm. You could take care of your sheep. The, the kids were essential yeah. to survive. And so for me, with special needs kids, I've always thought that my quiver is full. It's a unique 
type of arrow yeah, that sits in the right. quiver of a parent with special needs kids. Same with someone who has mental health problems. So I think it's okay for you to be able to say, and I'm saying this because of just how I feel and think about people who are going through this, and I've had a number of friends go through this. I think people should be should talk about it, interrupt conversations, and if someone's going to get moody because you're discussing it, well, that person, you know, they need to work on their compassion, care, empathy, yeah. and other things. But I think that that, that that the journey is a joy, and we've done foster care and foster programs and learning about that, and it's all a lot of fun. It's all great because you grow through all of it. So I think some of it is uh, what we were talking about earlier when Slim Mary was talking in, in when I talk about Mary is really embracing. I, mm. I almost feel like what you want to look at with these people you're working on, because you've got Deborah, the woman healed by Jesus, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Isaiah, Moses, David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You're talking about in almost every one of these cases, somebody who embraced the difficulty or challenge or consternation that they were going through. I mean, Deborah, how difficult it is it in a man's world to be a woman leader. Yeah, it's right. still like that. <laughs> um, and so I think there's so many exciting things you're talking about. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Kickstart Your Quiet Time newsletter. If you want to begin your day by reading the Bible, but you're unsure of where to start, we've got you covered. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will deliver a handcrafted quiet time to your inbox to kickstart your mornings with God. Head on over to deepspirituality.net to sign up for our newsletter. That's it. Simple enough. That's deepspirituality.net and sign up for the Kickstart Your Quiet Time newsletter today. Now, back to the show. Now, let me ask this question of all of you, because, you know, as we kind of wind the podcast down and again, you'll be able to get all the scriptures. There's a ton of scriptures that they've got and insights they've got that you can get on the web. But I want to ask you a little bit more about doubt, because I think that that when we're, we're having a series on the holiday of faith, that it might be good for people to know what does doubt feel like and how do you begin to conquer doubt? Like you were talking about having a kid. Like, I think the challenge is to keep believing or as Stone uh, phrased it, to stay in the fight, yeah. to not, to this is my life, to not get moody right. when it doesn't work out or not to quit uh, and and say, well, I'll learn to, I, I let me, pull up some notes I have. Oh, I'll, I'll just do them from memory. One of the things that I think that happens when you don't have faith is you become lethargic and you, you embrace mediocrity. You decide to settle in life. Well, okay. I guess it isn't going to work out. And when you guys were talking about, you know, when we lose, you know, a kid loses their faith, which I think is, I think losing kids lose. I think what was cool about your kid is your kid had the willingness to admit she lost her faith. I think there are a lot of kids right. in church for 30 years and lose their faith and never tell anybody. Right. So yeah. I, I think in, you know, I know your daughter who she's all from eight years old on, she's been pretty honest about whatever she had thought or said, including wanting to run the world. But um, I, I think doubt might be a good way to close out on, you know, how, how do you take on your doubts? How, like when you two were talking about all this, how do you talk about doubt? Um, I, I was more, I, I, my doubt can manifest itself in like convincing myself that nobody cares, especially God. Like uh, God does not care about us. Okay. Like I'm praying. I've been asking 365 days of the year. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like, and nothing. There's no response. Got not even like nothing. Not even like a twitch of like you know. <laughs> oh, I heard you. You know, like yeah. It's just like, and I, I'll go in these like downward spirals. You know, talking to Christy, I'm like nobody cares. Nobody cares about me if I'm if I die today. You know, nobody. Yeah. You know, yeah. It wouldn't. Nobody would would flinch. Whatever. And so. Um, Nobody that, knows <laughs> the troubles I've yeah. seen. Make a blues album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I just, it's almost like this weird space where like, I just convince myself that like, nobody cares about me. Like, everybody just wants something from me. Does Christy you know? enjoy listening to that? No, she's like, she's my going, favorite. Man, tell me more. Favorite. <laughs> Do you say, what do you say, Christy, when he's doing that? Tell um, me more. Give me more. No, I, I'm probably doing something else ignoring him <laughs> she's just on, on her phone yeah <laughs> didn't even hear her talking to people who care about her <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah she's like i don't know sometimes she's, so she's that can like, be discouraging yes so doubt can be isolating thoughts yeah that make you feel like nobody cares yeah and let's be honest maybe people don't care true story so we have to always take these things into consideration right, right, yeah. that they don't i i think 
we all want to say we care, but the key about caring is when you go home, are you still thinking about it? Yeah. yeah. And so if I go That's home true. and I'm not thinking about you and what you're going through, then I don't care. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can say all you want, but the Bible says, what did First John 3, love has to have action. Yeah. And so action is I'm thinking about you when I waver you. So sometimes it's the realization. Yeah. And here's the deal. When you become a parent, it becomes infinitely true because no one's going to care about your kids like you do. And so the beginning of parenthood is the understanding when your kid has 103 fever, you're going to feel it. Yeah. Everybody else is going to bed. Yeah. I've been there. You guys at Stone Mill, oh, you've yeah. been there. Oh, when, yeah. When your kid's going through something, yeah. But at the end of the day, everybody else has their own house, their own home, their own life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then what you find is during these moments of difficulty and doubt, you find out who your real friends are. Mm. Mm. Now, I know Christians are all supposed to love each other. <laughs> But if loving me is you going to sleep at 10 while I'm suffering, yeah, then that's not the kind of love that's doing me any good. Yeah. yeah. I could definitely be like, um, I guess, you know, just religious. And like after I get all my angst out, yeah. you know, and yeah. like and then Christy finally is like, all right, you're done with that. Let's like have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just start trying to convince myself. Or even when I pray, like I want to convince myself, like, no, people care. God care. You know, God, you care. And almost try to like get myself going again, yeah. you know, like jazzing myself up or whatever. And like, but not you know, even admitting, uh, one of the hardest things for me to admit is what I feel in a relationship directly with somebody, right. you know? So if I really feel like someone doesn't care about me, it's like literally one of the hardest things for me to tell you, look someone in the eye and be like, Hey, I feel like you don't care about me. Yeah. And I think one of the things, this is an interesting conversation and maybe you can jump in here, but my feeling is I don't think everybody has to care about me. Hmm. I, I don't think anybody's hating me or, but I, I don't, I don't feel like I should be holding every single person I know responsible to care about everything I'm going through. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I think, but that's why you pick friends. Yeah. Right. And you can be, you can love every Christian and everybody in the world. And I, I like my neighbors. Yeah. They're, they don't all go to my church and but I like my neighbors. But at the end of the day, I think part of the problem is we walk around with this, uh, weird kind of denial yeah. and, and, and placing responsibility on people. That's hey, true. you should care about me. And I think part of it is that's mm-hmm. the beauty of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does care. Yeah. yeah. So when I moan and groan and I do what you do, that's a sign from God to me of two things. God let me know. Now, see how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I look yeah. at it. Yeah. See how I feel. You're walking right. around doing your thing and I'm trying to get a little, can get a little help over here. Yeah. yeah. And I'm never getting any response from you, Russ, until you show up and need something. Yeah. And so you get that. But also you understand that none of us in a relationship with God should be walking around so needy. No. Mm. Right. That we're holding every human being responsible to care about everything we're going through. Yeah. And here's the thing, when you were, uh, and I've known you all your life, when you were zero to however old you are now, there are a lot of people that you've known, think about this, there are a lot of people who you've known who have gone through incredible tragedies who you've walked right by. Yeah, don't even. It's life. It's life. I'm not being negative on people who don't care or do care. I'm saying part of what you go through when you have those doubts is the realization that there's only one God. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. I Perfect. think that's it. And that when you come to that realization, then Christy gets to hear a different song every night. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Instead of the moody blues. Yeah. The moody yeah. blues. Maybe we'll get a little Stevie in there. Yeah. You know what Stevie, I'm saying? Beach Boys. Maybe, yeah, a little Beach Boys. Something happy. <laughs> happy. Right? But but also remember, I mean, what is it? Uh Abraham and I Abraham and Sarah, man, ninety mm-hmm. ninety yep. right. yep. nine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're ninety nine? Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly yeah. but surely. Acting there. <laughs> Acting there. So Christy, tell me tell me a little bit more about your thoughts about doubt, then we'll get Stone and Mary Lee in there and we'll kinda wrap it up. That was really great, Nathan, because I think the way you describe doubt actually and how it affects you and how you end up thinking people don't care, I think we all go through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. I think for me, I kind of, Mary Lee kind of said it earlier, like, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt God's existence, but I did. I mean, I think right. going through a really hard time, like even just a confusion, not knowing, you feel like you're praying all the time, you're pouring out, right. you're trying to, you know, do all the right things. Right. But I think there's an anger, like, with God that I have never really knew how to talk about with him in prayer. Yeah. Um, it's because I quickly revert to, well, I know I need to be grateful, and there's so many other suffering, you know, harder people, people going through harder <laughs> things in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, true. That but I think, yeah, so I think the doubt, that was one of the, the scarier doubts to talk about is that, wow, there I'm having a really hard time believing, one, he like he doesn't seem to hear me, so maybe he's not really there. And um, I remember really having to to just go out there with God and 
Does Duke that still out. happen? I don't know. <laughs> Does that still happen? You know, it, um, that was more in the beginning stage of kind of figuring out where we're at with uh, it being hard having a, a kid. Um, I feel like it's it's not necessarily You're stronger there. than me then, because I still do that. <laughs> <laughs> I still walk around going, okay, now. Yeah. Yeah. We, you out there, man? Yeah. 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 Come on now. Test- I haven't heard. I haven't heard. Seen anything? Yes. Testing. Wait, wait, is, is this real? Is this real? I've gone through that, and I've been around. I've been around. What? I celebrated my 39th spiritual birthday, but I. I actually yeah. think that's in the Psalms. Yeah. yeah. He said, "How long is it going to be? Yeah. Right. How long I got to wait? Anybody out there? You know." And I think that I think most people are afraid to say when they're losing their faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it it feels weird to say it, right? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what are you thinking? Well, I I think doubt looks like to me is when I start entertaining an unacceptable outcome as acceptable. Oh, wow. And I think you could take the classic. I got to write that down. You got to take the classic, um, you know, in wrestling, you work very hard to get into the finals of a tournament, so you're going for gold. Those usually are pretty tough matches, but when you get tired, your mind starts telling you, you know, second place is not that bad, (laughs) you know, because if I have to fight this hard for however long else, I, I may not make it, now I have to start telling myself it's okay not to make it. Wow. And that's what doubt looks like to me. And it, it can happen in a lot of different wow. areas. It's just, uh, you know, okay, uh, maybe my kid's not going to become a Christian. Uh, that's doubt because you started to accept an unacceptable outcome. Yeah. And that's, now some people are going to say they're going to go, well, how do I know that's not God's will? Well, we know from Luke 18 that Jesus said, keep praying and never give up. Never give up. We know from Elijah climbing the mountain, he kept praying until it rained. It was a little small cloud, but he kept going after it. Everything, we know, it says, what is it about shameless audacity? I think that great scripture. Shameless audacity, love it. Yeah, you need to have shameless audacity. I think you're really right. I'm really challenged by what you said, because I think I have vision and dreams, and I go, man, I'd like for this to happen. And the older I get, the more I think, do I have enough time? Right. Is or it, is do it, I have enough energy? It, yeah. Does it meant? Does it, is it meant to be? Right. Maybe it isn't meant to. Be. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just my selfish ambition, right. my pride, my arrogance that right. I want to have <laughs> right. that happen. Right. And the next thing you know, you start, you know, you start eating that Salisbury steak instead of that T-bone. You start going to McDonald's instead of yeah. going out to one What's of them. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. I might as well might just as well. go ahead and do it all. Get back and eat whole pecan pie <laughs> in an hour. Why not? You know? <laughs> I think that I love that. Marilee, what are your thoughts on I'm, doubt? I'm thinking um, doubt is comes to you know comes to me when I um, get caught more caught up in my emotions, my feelings, the mm-hmm. ease of life, comfort. Yeah. This doesn't feel, you know, uh, the way I want it to feel. I think, um, uh, you know, so if, if, so, you know, goes back to usually if I really looking at the Bible, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or am I going by what? Do you it, ever, do you, I just want to ask, do you ever experience emotional exhaustion as I do? Like you're think you're feeling so many emotions about it. You're thinking yeah. about all the different things, and it starts to make you feel fatigued. Absolutely, and um, yeah. And then what happens with that is you kind of go, "This is not, you know, whether you start to downplay it, it's not worth it. Maybe I'm off. Maybe this is, I'm, you know, care, you know, caring about something I shouldn't be caring about. Right. You know, give it back to God. It's His. It's not yeah. mine. You know, kind of washing my hands of yeah. it or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. That's really. And, and what we're seeing here in this final part of this conversation is that. Doubt has behavioral impact. Yes. Yeah. That you you may not even realize. Yeah. It. Just, let me change that. We may not even realize it because it's we. I feel this stuff. Yeah. Yes. I I'm, I'm loving this part because I feel like one of the things I have to deal with in life is the doubt that makes me say, "Oh, I'll just accept this." I love that, and I think everything we're talking about. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't think people have to accept anything. Right. Um, that's why Matthew 17, which was covered in an earlier podcast, talks about nothing is impossible. And I think the issue of faith we've got to wrestle with. If Jesus says nothing is impossible if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then why should we accept anything? And is the problem in the 21st century that a lot of us as Christians have figured out how to use Scripture to rationalize mediocrity and lethargy yeah. Yeah. and saying, uh, yeah, it's it's really good that this is all I've done. I mean, think about it. And every now and then I'm tempted to think, 
Well, look, look at what you've done. And I guess why Paul says in Philippians 3, forget what's behind. Not just the negative, but forget, you know, don't sit around celebrating what you did in the 80s and the 90s. And the we're going into the, what is it? I mean, depending upon the math, right. the third century of the 21st century. And if you think about that, where should we be at this point? And is the world more fascinating? Smartphones, right? artificial intelligence, cars like that truck by what's his name? Who's that guy? Cybertruck. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yes. You get all this stuff being done, you know, automated houses, uh, all this stuff's going on. And yet, when's the last time you felt a breakthrough in your own life or your own house church or small group or church equal to the impact of these human inventions? Yeah. I, I think faith is everything. Yeah. And so please get on deep spirituality and be on the lookout for this very exciting uh, study, Seven Examples of Trusting God in Difficult Times to Inspire You, How to Deal with Doubt, how to be honest about circumstances, talk about circumstances, be willing to let those emotions out, whether they're positive or negative. I think that's really great. Be looking out for their top seven. I think they're still whittling away. I think they, I think I, I got a sense we may get, we, we may get more than seven out of these yeah. folks. Uh, and then um, don't forget to, to take a look at our uh, dspiritual.net links for this podcast. will give you information about any books, content or quotes that were discussed And then please subscribe to our podcast. A lot of you have been. Our numbers have been going up. We're very excited about that because we hope we're just helping people. We know that we're not your everything, but we're hoping we can put one or two ideas out there that'll help launch you into an adventure uh, of letting God use you. Please give us a rating. What it does is I've been learning about this is it helps people find our podcast because a lot of people are out there trying to find good podcasts about spirituality, about living the living a life of faith, and they can't find them. And so the more we get uh, five stars, the more easily it is it easy to find us. And I learned that from some other podcasters. Thanks a lot for listening to Spirituality. You have a happy holiday.